Welcome to the Elijah Streams podcast. Our mission is to encourage you in your faith through a unique blend of patriotism and prophecy. And now here's your host, Steve Schultz. Well, happy Tuesday, April 18 to everyone. I'm Steve Schultz, founder, along with my wife of both the Elijah List here is where you get the written portion, ElijahList.com. And you're watching in video form or live streaming form, Elijah Streams. So uh, between the two of them, we are in year 26, bringing you the voice of the prophets and uh, it just gets better every day. Uh, we appreciate you uh, watching and staying with us and writing all of your notes. Many of you send in testimonies or you'll send us a quick thank you note for what we're doing. We, we love those. It keeps us going. So thank you for that. A quick reminder, um, uh, and again, thank you for the support. The, the, we, it never gets old to see our loyal viewers support the ministry, to support the projects. We're working on a now... We've been talking for a long time about the the different projects we're doing in the U.S., but we don't have the we didn't have the video all together for that. So we've been only showing you Uganda, where every three days we do um, you do dig another fresh well because when you support this, the spillover goes into that. But there's projects we're doing in the U.S. too, but we haven't had video to show you. So we're we're putting together some of that. Uh, we're working on a couple videos right now, so a very short time, maybe a maximum of a week or two, we'll start giving you a bigger, broader picture of where these uh, spillover funds are are going. We don't really believe in taking these funds and just hoarding them. We're trying to just, you know, keep the keep the keep the kingdom of God moving and uh, growing and advancing. So, all right, with that in mind, let's go ahead and play one of those spots, Warren, for the uh, uh, Uganda Wells. Here we go. Love it, love it, love it. After those spots, each time we put these links up here, this is not a clickable link, but if you write down ElijahStreams.com slash, there's forward slash donate, uh, that'll bring you right to the page where you can donate, um, and then, or there's a mailing address right there too. Thank you again and again and again. We bless you. All right, time to bring in Johnny Enlow, unfiltered. So here we go. 49 hours declaring it a riot. My message hasn't changed. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You must from now on target darkness in your society. We are almost there. The pain is for the awakening. The awakening is for your children. Well, Johnny, happy Tuesday. We're used to seeing you on a Monday. What happened here? Well, you know, we went to Hawaii for a little bit and then uh, went to see my son and um, his wife and portland and so we got back last night we were yeah, right up the road from us about 90 minutes so uh you and i were comparing notes your son works at one of the t- tall high rises and i used to work in the top of that u.s bank building so yeah and portland's a beautiful city except now it's full of homeless tents all up and down these roads i don't know how many roads it's all up and down but did you see some of those homeless encampments or well not right not right in the very core of downtown. Everything still still looked good, but they okay. told me where they were. And we did one little drive, and we saw those tents, um, some of those tents around. So we didn't get to really see the the full yeah the the full effect of it. But yeah, saw some. Yeah, saw you know, some. I was talking off air uh, to my team. I was saying, you know, I use lot, many times. I'll come on and say, "Welcome for the great state of Oregon or the great Northwest." And I'm going down, you know, and then I sometimes ask myself, am I being serious? Are we still the great state of Oregon with all of this homeless campus? But I mean, it's up and down the West Coast, frankly. Uh, California, Oregon, Washington all has uh, horrific homeless. But I think it's not by any means our state alone. 
Um, well, it's a it's a good it's a good statement of faith, Steve. You know, we came uh, we landed in Portland, and the first billboard I noticed is, "You are in Oregon, the state where abortion rights are guaranteed, or something like that." So I was like, "Really? That's I was like, okay." When you say the great state of Oregon, you yeah, are God's and, and a few years back, I don't know how many, 20 years, 10 years, 50, it was somewhere in there. They made uh, assisted suicide legal here first, and they were proud of it. I think they made the abortion pill here first. I mean, you, you think of, you always said, when I lived in California, I always said, Cal, whatever happens in California spreads all over. Well, when I moved to Oregon, it's worse than that. It's the, the most degrading things have launched in Oregon Uh some of the most degrading things that became uh, nationally uh, done. I don't know. It yeah, can be well, discouraging, we, you know? Yeah. Well, you do a trade. Uh, it, it can be discour discouraging if you understand Soros has invested, I believe, Portland and the area around Portland has been a primary area of Soros investment in order to kind of release the, the, the starter global uh, perspectives all over the place. But at the same time, Oregon has a tremendous call as an eagle state uh, in the spirit realm. And so it's where the, the prophetic, the supernatural is supposed to be commonplace and released to the rest of the nation. And of course, you're doing that. So you're helping. Yeah, yeah uh, that's true. I do sometimes say, well, wait a minute, Steve, you're helping to do the other thing. I'll have to be, or are you saying that right now? Kind of reminds me, oh yeah, it's a great state because God's kingdom is advancing. The light you know, coming from the light coming from Oregon. Yeah, and I and when I back. say yeah. and when I say that, of course, I don't mean that what we're doing is the only thing where the kingdom is. the kingdom is advancing all over Oregon. But uh, yeah, well, I know more about our ministry. You know, the the church that I attend uh, every week, they pray for the you know the young pastor says today we're going to pray every Sunday we're going to pray for another church in town because there isn't all these churches in in God's sight. There's one church in Salem. Uh, and so, uh, so then we pray for it. And I was very proud of him for doing it. He's a very young guy and he'll, he'll, I think one of them was a Catholic church and one of them, you know, I don't really know cause I'm not there every time. Uh, but there is only one church in every city, according to the way, you know, the Bible was written the church. Well, listen, we better jump in, but I wanted to do this, Johnny, before you get into your, what you have to share is we were talking about the or origin or origins with an S of the seven mountain mandate. And apparently there's a couple roads of, of seven mountains where people have said, well, it started here and no, it started here. And I know something started with you, but talk about whatever you were starting to share. We kind of ran out of time, so I didn't actually get to hear. Well, essentially that is a question for those who don't understand the seven mountain mandate is storyline or uh, the expanded understanding of the kingdom that we are meant to showcase the kingdom of God, not just in church, seven the four walls of the church, but seven days a week in every area of society. And so the seven mountains are the seven primary spheres of society, media, education, government, economy, family, arts, entertainment, um, and religion. It seemed like I forgot one there. But um, those seven areas of society are supposed to be areas of promised land and areas that we are, again, to... Um, release the light of God and where we are supposed to be salt and light. And so I got, I was just telling you ahead of time, Steve, is that what I got, what I got without reading anybody else's, nobody else had anything to, to read. So my first book, the seven Mount prophecy in 2008 um, is often that's seen pretty as, recent too. That's like, that's the time when we had the last stock market crash. I, when you say that date, so that helps me put a pin in it. So 
out of no, out, I don't say out of order. The, the, the spirit gave that to you independent. You hadn't really heard the other seven mountain. No, no, no. Uh, I was, I was awakened in August, 2006. And the Lord said, I'm going to show you. We've been asking me. And he began to making this connection between the children of Israel going into their promised land. And there being seven enemy nations, the Hittites, Jebusites, Girgashites, etc., and the seven areas of society. So he would have me uh, study some and then tell me some. And it was every night for months. And so I began writing the book. And then as I was writing the book, I was teaching it to my congregation. And then while I was teaching it to my congregation, um, we had someone, Os Philman was attending. He's a minister as well. He was attending our, our church at the time and he was gone a lot, but he happened to be there when I was on like mountain number four. And he came up at the end of the meeting and said, do you know that there's this guy named Lance Wallnow who has a message called the seven mountain strategy? And I go, no, I go like what? Like seven mountains of Jerusalem, seven mountains of Rome. He goes, no, the exact same seven mountains you're talking about. I go, wow. no, no way. And he says, yeah, I have a, I have a, a CDs or I have a CD. I go, oh, I would, can I have it? And so he gave it to me that week. Then I heard it. He had gotten the, the term from Bill Bright of Campus Crusade and Lauren Cunningham of YWAM. And they had received it supernaturally. The Lord had told them, if you can figure out how to change these seven areas, you will have advanced the kingdom. That's of God. crazy. When you think of Bill Bright, you don't think of him uh, tapping into the prophetic and hearing the voice of God. But he's it sounds like no. he nailed it in his time, which was came, I don't know how, how many years it, earlier than that was that. I'm not I'm not quite okay. sure. It okay. was it was it was supernatural the way it was given to them. But what I like to point out is there is a difference in identifying the seven areas as seven mountains. That's a big deal. Yeah. But it's not like it's all equal. I, I like to say um, I've not read anything written by anybody else. Like so, uh, whether it's Lance or Bill Bright or Lauren Cunningham, like it shocked me because I know who I didn't really I didn't know Lance at all. But I knew who Lauren Cunningham was and Bill Bright, and it shocked me to know that they had received something because I had never heard about it wow. from their camps, nor had I read any book about it. So I never received anything from anybody else's. Cause nobody yeah. else had any. I still don't know of any uh, anything that existed before. And so, um, but what the Lord had us advance is is going mountain by mountain and understanding. We'll say the spiritual layout of. Uh, the spiritual mapping of the ground. Who's the principality? That's what's the, the, the more unique stuff that I, I received that I didn't hear from anybody else was how is the enemy operating there? Who is the principality? Who's on our side? What's our assignment? Who's the archangel that works with us? And so it's going into real practical brass tacks uh, operations where the rubber hits the road. And that's like right before I, right before this program, I just did a program for South America and it'll go out and as part of, uh, you know, we have a, a rise ministry, Reformers Influencing Society every day. And so there's this arising and awakening in America to in South America to for pastors and leaders to get involved in every area of society. So they were just telling me of a whole new apostle of a whole new network that was running with it. And, and then just a couple few days ago, I, I had done um, with a pastor of over a thousand churches in Venezuela. So wow. in South Central and South America, there is this awakening to the reality of, oh, my goodness, we have not had a full gospel because we've said the full gospel is like, um, uh, you know, we've called full gospel that which was about this big. And full gospel really is the good news and God's capabilities for every area of society. 
and it's a brand new brand new message. And so we interact as well. I like to say we're practitioners because we interact yeah. with all seven areas, um, people that are there. So I've appreciated all those who've in any way trumpeted uh, a seven. Totally. Well, yeah. Message about you know, and I when when you and I got to know each other originally, I didn't realize you were carrying this message. I hadn't heard you do it, and I never, I don't had, I hadn't heard anyone preach it through. So I understood what was all being said. But what what hooked me with you is with this four or five years ago, and I saw a prophetic word where you were prophesying some uh, gold being discovered in the mountains. Uh, I think in the mountain ranges of California. I can't think of what that Sierras was. It Sierras or where? Do where? Where did you say gold would be discovered if you if you named it at all? Well, there were different places. Okay. Areas of motherload, and we actually probably uh, scores of people contacted me after those prophetic words. There was a series of prophetic words telling specific areas. And honestly, we got scores of um, responses of people telling me, some wanting to keep it quiet. It's like, I have found it here, but like when you can't found it. Oh, wow. You really, don't really want to tell tell people. And so, yeah, that was that was something. That, by the way, I'm going to jump on here, but I mean, that's how I got to know you. I didn't realize you were carrying this message, but um if I can put out, because I know some things on the side too that I can't, I won't say here, but um, you seem to possess a gift, an anointing, whatever, where if someone will show you uh, um, land or tell you a piece of land, if there's gold, you kind of tend to know it. Is that, would that be an overstatement or? It probably is an overstatement. Okay. It, um, um, you know, it. there's been, it, multiple 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 times that i have been led to prophesy that there's gold or silver or copper or something treasures and it's it's been more rare for it to be for an individual there's there's yeah. some cases where and particularly if they call me and ask me specifically to show them there it's not it won't be with enough clarity there'll be some things that then um yes it's on this property i don't know exactly where i think it's over you know, I'll point a general area, but I can't tell them like go down a hundred feet and it's there. I haven't been able, I haven't been given those kind of coordinates, okay. but I have for cities and kind of it's when I meet with governmental leaders, it's the insight will come there. And it has to do with kind of the Lord speaking, his capabilities to restore economy okay. at, at, at that level so so it's kind of big picture stuff and all that. well you and i could i could at least i could talk on, on all this for a long time i better get you into this thing but uh really it's probably a good segue from where you are to where you're heading so let's let me just turn it over yes to you. so as a as another we'll say a little preface um to where we're going with this because it's super exciting we're going to go into some revelation really in the revelation i hope to get to um, we have the time to is when I first got it, it ties into the it's kind of heaven's meta narrative, the high view from heaven of where we're at, of what's taking place, of what the seven mountain assignment is. I, I got there's a core part. I got like 3 a.m. in the morning and I literally shook in my bed for the next three hours. It was just I, I was just astonished that mm. I had been in Revelation for 20 years trying to unlock it. We're going to look at some things from uh, Revelation. We're going to prove you know, what we've been saying in our recent programs, Revelation really was not to be, um, uh, you know, to, to, to tell uh, end time scenarios. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. There so you go. There's a revelation of Jesus Christ and what he's doing that is so amazing. It, it really um, supersedes anything else we can think of. 
but kind of what lays the foundation that we want to understand um, this, and we've been hitting on this a lot. I'm always talking about narrative or meta narrative. I use that word again. It's like, well, what, what, why are we always talking about narrative or meta narrative? And I want there to be understanding, uh, you know, the narrative is the storyline and, and um, at least 90% of the inner enemy's energy and expenditure is in capturing the narrative. Mm. And, um, um, and, and he's really pretty much accomplished what he needs to do once he's done that. Uh, and we'll just go briefly through some things, just some proofs there. We don't want to take a, a lot of time, but like in the garden, uh, the true narrative was that Adam and Eve had 100% access to God and access to all but one tree in the garden. It's like millions of trees, access to God. It was just like, that's the reality. The, the, the fake narrative, the, ser- the serpent beguiled them, and he convinced them that the true narrative is that God was holding out on them. Mm. And so he won the narrative, he won the battle. And so that's something, if you want to get that for everyone, is win the narrative, you'll win the battle. Um, and so that's why we'll talk about the narrative more than the battle, because you can get into the battle plan and forget that if you actually operate to the right narrative, you have almost no ch- no chance of losing. Can I, can I ask you this, Greg? So an example of that or opposing narratives is we see all the bad news. We see the deep state. We see. And if I described it, that's one narrative. But if another person said, you guys do not see what God is doing. He's doing this and this. That's that's the other. That's the opposing narrative. Right. What God's yeah, doing and for- we're we're going to go through and hit that real quick as okay. far as part of the, the foundation. But you're on okay. it uh, right there. So okay. uh, we'll 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 continue in Scripture because the whole foundation for this is what I'm telling you is Bible. Uh, when I'm talking narrative, I'm not separating it from the Bible. I'm telling you what is expressly revealed in Scripture in every way. So a true narrative for the children of Israel was that there was, you know, in Exodus three, the Lord descended to Moses and He says, "Listen, I have a promised land." So the true narrative is that there was a promised land that flows with milk and honey, where they'd be the head, not the tail. They'd no longer be enslaved like they had been for 400 years. Uh, God told them, there are seven nations greater and mightier than you, but don't worry about it. I'm going to go before you. I'm going to defeat the enemies. The only requirement, we know he said this over and over to Joshua as well, be strong and courageous, and the giants will be bred for you. That's the true narrative. So the distorted narrative is the enemy is greater than you. The sons of Anak are too big for you. Uh, we are grasshoppers, as the ten spies saw. Mm. We will get destroyed. We are best re- returning to Egypt because that's what the children of Israel. Oh, that we could go back to Egypt. Yes, we'll be under uh, control because that's what they did when when the ten spies told them how big the enemies were. It says the whole nation. This is Numbers thirteen and fourteen. The whole nation of Israel let out a cry because they believed the fake narrative as oh that we could go back to Egypt, which which is astonishing but it's like okay yeah we're under restriction we're under control but we'll have very little but be very happy kind of schwab's uh yeah um, world economic forum dream for the world he says you're going to have very little but you'll be happy about it so it's really that's what the children of israel were willing to do as soon as they bought into the false narrative and so you had caleb the carrier of the real narrative the 10 spies the carrier of the false narrative they're all seers we say they're all prophets but some saw things from the Lord's standpoint, and some saw, we'll say, second heaven perspective. Mm, wow. True narrative. Uh, back to, now, David and Goliath. Goliath is an intruder, is the true narrative. 
He was an illegal intruder. He was in land that belonged to Judah, if you read 1 Samuel 17. He was an uncircumcised Philistine, meaning he had no covenant with God. He had no protection because that's what circumcision uh, provided for them. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. Um, the true narrative is the battle is the Lord's. That's what David said when he came. God can take him out with a little stone. He did. The false narrative was that Goliath is huge and unbeatable. Um, so out of that comes out, well, just give up and pray for Jesus to come zap us out of here. That's the equivalent. They had, they had, there was nothing else the children of Israel was waiting for. They weren't waiting for a man. They were there 40 days, and Goliath had intimidated them. They bought into the wrong narrative, and mm. so they're just going to passively wait for Jesus to return. That's why I say that's the first first premature false rapture thing that was, that was done. Then you go um, to today. Um, you see even the true narrative is that all the prophets of the Old Testament, especially Daniel, saw the kingdom. He saw the kingdom and he saw the saints filling the whole earth, uh, You know, the, the stone that filled the whole earth and crushed every other principality, every other kingdom that operated apart from the kingdom of God was crushed to pieces. We've been hitting that repeatedly in the last few weeks. So that's the true narrative. Habakkuk 2.14, the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. The false narrative is that the devil is getting stronger and stronger, that the Antichrist mm. is taking over, that we better pray harder and harder for Jesus to come rapture us out of this mess. Uh, forget that nothing, nothing that the prophets prophesied has taken place yet. Um, all the prophets, it's, like I said, Acts 3.21, Jesus is held in the heavens until all the things prophesied by the prophets have taken place, yet it doesn't matter that not one of them, the restoration of, of Israel, Jerusalem, Jerusalem is not a praise in all, all the earth. Israel ha, you know, has not entered. Johnny, that is so foundationally opposite of what such a massive amount of the, the church is teaching. How, how can it be so plain? And it's just like, I mean, that's a rhetorical, I guess. But I'm going, well, it's so plain when you say that. How, how can we be missing this? And that's why I have to keep saying it. If people yeah. wonder, that's my assignment. That's my mission to help yeah. us get in. You have to align with correct, a correct narrative to have any chance of victory. There is no kingdom demonstration if you believe the other. It's just a pit. They're just pitiful survival stories, uh, comparative to what God has for us. And so that's what this premature uh, rapture of as an escape. This is what this is what it all is. So. The call, the seven mountain call, the seven mountain mandate is to align, to come into agreement mm. with his narrative. Now, that's why we want to jump quickly into uh, the book of Revelation in chapter four. And we're going to go uh, verse by verse. I'm going to try to go as fast as possible because we still want to um, we want to be able to fit it all in today. But it's going to be amazing. There's revelation I wouldn't be surprised some of you who are really spiritually sensitive, you go into trances and into visions and revelations. This happens actually a lot when I share yeah. on this and it really really affected me. Yes, because it's truly the meta narrative from heaven. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the revelation of his kingdom said in a very unique way. So let's go and um, I'm going to be reading out of the New King James Version, Revelation chapter 4. I'm going to highlight some things as, as we go. So this is the Apostle John. And in verse one, he says, after these things, I looked 
And behold, the door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. So I just want to make sure we understand what's happening here. So this is this is the Apostle John. This is, it doesn't really matter. There's some discussion as to whether this was after Jerusalem and it was destroyed in 70 AD by Titus. I don't believe, uh, I believe this was before, but it really doesn't matter. The meta narrative is such a, a macro narrative that it doesn't matter if you believe that or don't believe that this still works. But so John is talking about a door standing open in heaven. He is invited to come up. Interestingly, a voice like a trumpet. The Lord speaks through trumps and trumpets. And Johnny, this is, this is you're at Revelation. Where are you? Where are you? Chapter four. Chapter four and verse because she's going to jump. Okay, all right. We're going to go verse one. We're going to go all all the verses. Okay. Uh, at some point, so just uh, as they do that. Um, so okay. I'll read that one more time while they're getting it. After okay, there we go. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I I will show you things which must take place after this. So what's important for us to notice is that the Apostle John is about to go into time travel, because he's going to be shown things that are going to take place after this. So th this not only is it going to be time travel into the future, but he is going to be taken into time travel into the past. We will be re realizing that. So oh, let's love that. Wow. Immediately, I was in the spirit. See, in the spirit realm, there's no time. I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one set on the throne. Now, for purposes of clarity, I think everyone should understand that's Papa. That's the Father. That's who he's seeing. So he's taken into heaven. He sees the Father. That's why we're going right into the macro narrative, the meta narrative, the big picture of it all from heaven's standpoint. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Now, we could go into any every one of those um, elements that are discussed there and have a whole whole message. But remember for now that there is a full rainbow that's around the throne. Wow. And it encircles the throne. Uh, that's why the enemy would want to steal the rainbow, because the rainbow speaks into who our father is. There's a reason the rainbow was the promise uh, sign that was put up after after the flood. And that really the rainbow comes out of for those who have been to heaven will tell you there's a connection between the seven spirits of God, the seven colors of the rainbow. And actually the rainbow comes out of the middle of the father himself and encircles the hmm. whole throne. That's just part of the narrative. Around the throne, there were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. So I think you all are understanding um, what's taking place. There's 24 thrones, 24 elders, 24 crowns. Now, just keep uh, that in, in memory uh, for now. It means there are kings up there. There's 24 thrones. They have crowns. And then let's keep um, moving on to verse five. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. So this is, uh, this is a, an exciting part. So first of all, 
any of you who were hoping that when you got to heaven and you kind of came around the throne room, it would be this real peaceful place like you see in, in one of your uh, calm state churches where it's, mm, uh, that's not, <laughs> you know, do not ask to go to the throne when you, when you go to heaven. Say, just take me to paradise, to the trees, uh, the fruit trees, because if you go to the throne room, it's going to be very loud. Lightnings, thunderings, voices. Wow. And there's seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Now, there's a ton of revelation uh, right in there. Some of it will come back and pick on, pick up on. But if, if you remember, we've been speaking out of Matthew 5 and Jesus' first message when he said, you are the light of the world. And then he says, this is not this little personal light. He says, but you put it on a lampstand. So heaven is set up like a lampstand. There are the seven spirits of God seven burning flames of fire around the throne they are the seven spirits uh, uh, of of god and so that was there was a ref, uh, referring to that that jesus was doing in his very first message is that this is not just a fire of your personal salvation this is a fire of transformation of society in general and oh wow <clears throat> really we'll keep picking up on that there's a fire yeah. for every area of society that he's not just asking us, you know, seven mountain mandate is not just a task he is giving us. He has provided of himself seven spirits of God, seven aspects, seven differentiations. Think of seven colors. They're all good. Uh, um, red has to do with the mountain. of. We're not explaining here, but red has to do with the mountain of media, orange with the mountain of family, yellow with the mountain of arts and entertainment, green with the mountain of economy, blue with the mountain of religion, uh, indigo, dark blue with the mountain of education, mm. and violet or purple with the mountain of government. So there's seven expressions of who God is. God is communicator in media. God is papa in family. God is creator in arts and entertainment. God is provider in, in the economy. God is teacher in the mountain of education. God is king in, um, in government, and God is redeemer in the mountain of religion. So seven aspects, this is all being told with these pictures that are being laid out before us. Mm. Um, and so we're going through this uh, kind of fast, but we, it, some of it is, in a ways, review of terms that we've been sure. speaking into. But now you're getting the full uh, biblical uh, basis uh, for them. And before the throne of God, there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. So this is uh, giving us this, this amazing description of these living creatures, which are, are to be studied in in, in more expansive way at another, at another time. They're full of eyes in front and in back. Mm. It's, all seeing capability mm -hmm. and a sea of glass, which allows them also to see everything that's taking place on earth as well. But here's an interesting part of the revelation. Verse seven, mm -hmm. the first living mm -hmm. creature was like a lion. Mm -hmm. The second living creature, like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a lion. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. In some of your versions of the Bible, it might say the second living creature was like an ox. Hmm. Um, uh, and this same kind of animal, but a lion, calf, a man, and a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest night or day, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come. 
Well, here's just a neat bit of revelation that comes out of this as well. Those first, those four manifestations of the living creature says the first was like a lion, the second like a calf, the third like a man, the fourth like a flying eagle. Those are connection points for us describing even the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Oh, wow. In Matthew, Jesus is presented as lion, as king. So he is, that's, you'll, you'll see that uh, the focus is on Jesus being king in Matthew. If you read through the book of Matthew, that's what comes out. If you read the book of Mark, it'll come out as being servant. That's what the calf or the ox, he's the servant. He works, he works for you. And so he's king, but he's also servant. The son of man came to serve and it'll emphasize that throughout the book of Mark. In the book of um, Luke, it'll it'll uh, talk about him as man, as the son of man. He'll be called the son of man often. And that's um, that third representation of the living creatures. And finally, the fourth, the flying eagle, he, that, that's him as the son of God. And that is what's represented and kind of comes out through the messaging, through 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 the particular paradigm through which John shared with us. And so he's simultaneously the servant, the son of man, the son of God, and um, he is also the king. Uh, all those things are representations of who he is, and the four living creatures express that. So we find that is no happenstance that there happened to be four witnesses and testimonies of who he was, and they came all four with a slight different angle representing the same, pop, uh, the same person. That's why, again, we tell you the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not the revelation of the Antichrist, of the beast, of the false prophet, most of those things which already happened in 70 AD specifically, but it is the revelation of Jesus Christ and his storyline. And so that's what we're telling you. It's There are things here revealed that are not revealed anywhere else. This is the narrative of heaven. And whenever that, that part is so exciting that whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives on the throne forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist. So this is, and John is taking up to a time and he doesn't know if he's past, present, or future yet. This is going to be revealed to us as we go into chapter 5. But he goes uh, and he sees this amazing display of, uh, of kingdom truth where uh, these living creatures, when they're telling something, because if you missed that in verse 9 and 10, is whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him. So whenever these guys who testify, they have eyes everywhere, whenever they give insight into who Jesus is and what the plan is, the 24 elders, they fall down and they cast mm. their crowns. They're like, okay, we may be kings, but he's the king of kings and he has blown us away again with what was just revealed to us. They uh, are con con continually and consistently given new revelation about mm. what he is all about. And there are a lot of things happening right now on planet earth. They didn't know were, were going to be happening. So they are being, uh, they are also being instructed and blown away with God's unveiling plan. Remember, he's not he's not even telling the son when he does his final return for his bride uh, because he's keeping that for himself. There is an aspect of who our father is. He likes to keep things in uh, suspense, surprise. And he tells everyone 
enough of what they need to know, but he wants to blow everybody away with the awesomeness uh, of, of his plan. Yeah. So they are casting their crowns before the throne. You, you are worthy, O Lord. You created all things, and by your will, they exist. So he creates all things, and for his will, they exist. Everything that exists, exists for the purpose of advancing his will. So there's some neat parameters of this meta-narrative that we want to not forget. But we're about to find out that as John is in heaven, remember, this is the whole thing, the Apostle John, the Revelator, he's up there. Something is not right in heaven. Something is out of order in heaven, and he's just now going to find out, despite all these amazing things, these thunderings, these voices, and, and, and the beauty, the sea of glass, everything. So this is where we're going to pick up in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So John says, so I wept much. Wow. Because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. We'll stop there for a second. We heard there's no tears in heaven, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. We're the, yeah. Okay. But we have John in heaven weeping. Why? Because he wasn't really in present heaven. He was taking into time travel. Oh, I see. That makes sense. And by the way, I never read that before. He, they don't, not only can't read the scroll, they can't even look at the scroll. They know it's there, but their eyes are not allowed to look at it, apparently. There's detail, just what you're pointing out, Steve. So here's the deal. A scroll that's written in, if you have a scroll, think of a scroll. I don't know if we can get a scroll, uh, a piece of paper. What well, You know, you roll it up, yeah, and it's written on the inside, but the seals are on the outside. Mm -hmm. So you cannot read if you read the seals, you are still not reading what's going on in the scroll itself. So a seal would often be the wax. Um, we want to make sure people got this. This is not a good. So let's say the scrolls here, but the seals, let's, um, right, right the there. Seal, they, you know, they would be seals, say, and they have a king's signature on it, kind of thing like that. And so we want to understand the difference, even as you advance in Revelation, for those who do more. The difference between reading the seals and the scroll itself. Seals is one thing. Scrolls is another. That'll make more sense in, in, in just a minute. So there is a scroll that's written inside and on the back, and it's sealed with seven seals. So they can't, again, you can't read them until it's open. So he sees a strong angel. Who is worthy to open the scroll? So that word open, the scroll, even the word open is a word that means to unloose it from its curse. Or for oh, our really? Purpose. Yes. Oh. <laughs> so what happens is the seals on it, the fact that it's sealed means something has <clears throat> happened that's caused us to lose authority on earth. Oh. And so the father is holding this scroll. So John has seen this amazing stuff in heaven, but then he sees the father and the father's holding this scroll. And it means this is unfinished business on earth. And so this is interrupting this utopian view of heaven in the courtroom and uh, the throne room. This is like, John's like, what? And not only, it's not just like in a corner, a little embarrassment that's taking place. 
It is a strong angel with a loud voice who over and over and over again is like, who is able to change the fact that we don't have authority we can walk on on earth, that we've lost authority on planet earth. Help Elijah Streams continue to reach people around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Visit ElijahStreams.com slash give and become a partner today. And so, and it says no one. And, and in, in the description of no one, verse three, John says, and no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth. Put that, put that, put that there, the rest of it, if you can. <clears throat> and no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So <clears throat> there was like uh, uh, this thing of under the earth. I've I've taught it before. It's like that means even looking into the future, all who will ever be born. There's a reason John's a little bit hopeless and he's a little bit like the weeping. He, he didn't just a, a tear. He says, I wept much mm. because in his mind. He's looking It's like, oh, my goodness, we're never going to get back the authority. We're never going to get back the authority that was lost where in the garden. Yeah, they sinned. They lost authority. And so John's crying under the earth. We now understand that there's stuff under the earth. And there might be, you know, even cities under the earth. So it might have been talking about them as well. But the bottom line is John had this uh, this view and perspective that left him in, in a in a devastated. If you can imagine being in heaven around the throne and being devastated, that's what John was. I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, let me point out, the fact that there's seven seals, each seal represented one of the seven mountains. Okay, wow. It represented one of the areas of society where lost authority had taken place. Mm. This gets further self-explained as we move forward, but we'll, we'll go on. So I went much. Verse five, this is when it starts getting good. But one of the elders said to me, remember, this is the Apostle John called up into heaven. He's in heaven. He's seeing everything. Do not weep. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose. It even tells us there and to loose its seven seals. There was a lost authority. The seals were telling what had been lost. The scrolls will tell about what heaven's going to do. The seals, in a way, you could say that was the bad, and the scroll is the good. Yeah. And so the, the seals were telling about what was lost. But notice what he calls them, the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, in the midst of the four living creatures, in the midst of the revelation of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, capital L. Anybody have any guess on who the lamb is? I think we, we've got that. Mm-hmm. So he calls him. He says, do not weep. Behold, the lion has prevailed. But then he sees a lamb. So the lion and the lamb are the same one. But yeah. he had to come the lion. He's truly a lion, but the lion had to come as a lamb in order to redeem. So a lamb, as though it had been slain, having, this is important, seven horns and seven eyes, 
which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Now, just right there, that little statement there, I think it's pretty obvious, but we want to make sure that there is good understanding. The lamb has seven horns. A horn was a symbol of power. This is an understanding that the assignment it was not one horn. It's not a one horn lamb, hmm. you know, uh, nor is it the cute two horn lamb we like to put pictures of. The, the lamb that's described here may be not so beautiful. Seven horned lamb. Why? Because there are seven seals to break. There are seven areas that need a manifestation of his power. He needs to showcase not just that he can redeem a soul, not just that you can raise your hand and say, I receive Jesus, yeah. but he has a horn for government, a horn for education, a horn for media, a horn for economy, a horn for family, the seven mountains. Hope you all are getting this. This is the seven mountain mandate from the metavision from heaven itself. A lamb yeah. as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. And guess what? The seven spirits of God don't hang out in heaven. They're not hanging out in heaven and say, I just need more souls, more souls. No. The seven spirits of God are sent out into all the earth. Their mission is on the earth. To do what? To see the kingdom manifested on earth. He's not just trying to get souls into heaven. The seven spirits are not trying to repopulate heaven. That happens on the side. That's not the assignment. Populating heaven is not the full gospel. The full gospel is seven spirits having an assignment to reveal the kingdom through the sons and daughters in every area of society. Okay, verse 7. Then he came, who's he? Jesus, the lamb. And he took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Is that not just amazing? Jesus yeah. comes. And so the Father has been holding this thing in our time for hundreds or thousands of years. And he's been holding this. We have unfinished business. Ever since the garden, he's been holding a legal document that says we lost authority. Because that's what happened. Sin came in through Adam and Eve. When you say we've lost authority, Johnny, are you meaning we've lost all authority over the earth of which we've been made to take dominion or something? Or is this, uh, is that the kind of authority? In other words, we had authority over everything and we lost it over everything. We lost it as far as the, the, uh, the seven mountains, the position of influence. Yeah. There was no legal authority. That's why Satan was the prince uh, of the earth. The mm -hmm. prince of the air is because that was the agreement that was that was made the day you sin you lose with adam and eve the day you sin you lose your rights because it was adam and eve's rights of kingship royalty rules remember they were given everything they could name everything but they lost it all they lost that's why it tells us the son of man came to save that which was lost rather than those that were lost that's interesting so that i i've always wondered why it said that instead of those. That, you're the first person I've ever heard address that. So you're saying that was not an intent, uh, a goof up in the translation. Right. So the scrolls, now you understand it. The scroll was talking about that which was lost. There was real authority. We lost authority. Now, he still had all power uh, uh, um, in, in, in a big picture kind of way, and the whole universe was still his, but there was operating authority 
that was lost. Yeah. We know that as well from Matthew 4 and Luke 4 at the great temptation of Christ when he's after fasting for 40 days in the wilderness, Satan takes him in these various places and he takes him to a very high mountain and he shows him the kingdoms of this world and their glory. And he says, these have been given to me, but I will give them back to you if you will bow before me. Now we're not for the time's sake, we're not going there, but you, Steve, you yeah. know, that's, that's very well established. Matthew four, Luke four. That's why the, we're not just going on what it says here. This is clearly established that, Though he is a liar, he wasn't lying. He said, these have been given to me. The seven mountains, the seven mountain rule had been lost. Yeah, because I, 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 when I heard that story and over the years, and I'm thinking I'm getting better and better teaching where we understand that Satan was lying. He didn't really possess these. He didn't really get the earth because uh, the earth is the Lord's. But no, he, you're saying he wasn't lying. In that case, he was telling the truth. Right. From a possession standpoint, the right. earth has always been the Lord's yeah. from an owner standpoint. But authority under that ownership was the enemy's nice. because he had deceived man. He beguiled Eve and Adam fell with it as well. And mm. so this this is the reality. What people understand, we lost something. It wasn't just souls. It was authority. It was kingdom rule on earth was lost. And so. Then he took the scroll out of the right hand, right hand of him who sat on the throne. Mm. Now, how can you take the scroll? The only way you can take the scroll is you're worthy. They'll tell this in their song that's up, that's upcoming. Verse eight of Revelation five. Now, when he had taken the scroll, when Jesus, when the lamb took the scroll from the father's hat, the four living creatures yeah. mm. and the 24 mm. elders fell mm. down before the lamb each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you, speaking of Jesus, the lamb, are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood. Now let's stop there just, just, just for a minute. How do you become worthy? Well, there was, we're giving the example in the Passover lamb that it had to be a spotless mm. white lamb. He had to live to the age of maturity, which was 30 years old. Jesus had to live till age 30, having committed no sin, never having sinned. So he was the spotless lamb. No human could do it. And, um, you know, if we, if we look back at what John said, why he wept, is he went and looked in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and he was going through time travel from the Garden of Eden when the, the authority was lost. And as he's going through time travel, he's like, we need a human. We need someone who is pure, spotless, so he can be the one that cancels this loss of authority. Hmm. And perhaps in it, you know, he's seen even the friends of God. He's seen Abraham. Yeah. Of God. But Abraham has sin in his life, so he can't be the lamb. He's yeah. seen David, you know, David, wow, man after God's heart. But he has sin in his life. We have the whole Bathsheba thing and everything. He sees the great prophets. He sees Elijah, but Elijah's prone to depression and things, and it's not him, and it's not Elisha. They go through all the amazing uh, men of God. Like he gets to Daniel, and perhaps he's thinking, wow, he has an excellent spirit. Maybe it's Daniel. Maybe Daniel's going to be the one. 
but it's not happening. And then he gets to see all the way in the future. He sees in the future forever and ever. And John, as his time travel carries him, he's like, there's no one. There's no one. There's no one. There's no one. And it has been hidden from him. The fact that because he's looking only at human sourcing for everything. He's like, from human sourcing, we will never, ever be out of this reality of lost authority. But he didn't understand divine sourcing. Mm. That's why God himself had to come down in the person of Jesus Christ. The incarnation of God in the flesh in Mary is what changed the whole dynamic. And he couldn't, he hadn't been able to see that. That's why only God could change the legal ruling. If we think of it just from a legal standpoint, Satan thought he had this thing sewed up. It's like, oh my goodness, there is no human ever. Well, it's interesting because I've never seen this whole teaching the way you're doing it. But I mean, you would have thought that John, in his time travel, would have either gone back and forward. And then he said, then someone would have reminded him, wait, but Jesus was human. And, you know, he was also divine, but he he did it. But until God revealed it while he was in heaven, he couldn't see it, apparently, in this time travel. God showed him everything but that, I guess. Right. He's looking only at things sourced from human standpoint. Yeah. Jesus was not sourced from human standpoint. It was the Holy Spirit came upon Mary, and that's where that sourcing was. So he was he was not able to see that. It's why he was, uh, you know, he would not have been weeping heavily if he had been able to see. It. Again, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Wow. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Now, for those of you who like that song we were singing in, in Revelation chapter four, holy, holy, holy Lord God, who was in his, it tells us what they were singing. But as awesome as that song is, they stopped singing that one. There is a new song. There is a new song being sung, because that's what it says in 5, 9, Revelation 5, 9. And they sang a new song, saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, mean to unloose us from what we lost, to lift us out of the curse of what was lost. Yes, he theoretically owns it, but there has been this uh, uh, loss of practical authority because he gave all the authority to man and man lost it. And so then we had to live with the consequences until Jesus came. But it says, for you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood. So I had us pause there. So this is what we've been celebrating for forever. The fact mm. that through him, we have redemption through the blood of God himself, through the blood of Jesus, through the blood mm. of the lamb, we are redeemed. But what we didn't realize is this thing of souls, souls, souls was only half. It was only half of the equation here. Yeah, that's of- so huge, man. That's just so Pivotally, pivotally, I don't know, different than, I mean, it's the, the, the end of all of our understanding was soul. I mean, you had great um, preachers that would say, give me souls or I die. And maybe that's because they were an evangelist. But yeah, this, yeah, this other part is, was never taught. Wow. And it's right here. It's coming. We didn't even read it yet, but it's coming. Oh. And have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Wow. Awesome. Yes. Salvation, the evangelist. Run loose, cut loose, and it's fine yeah. for you to be for soul, soul, soul. Yeah. But the and, verse 10, here's the part. And, and, and have made us kings and priests 
to our God. And if that wasn't understood, here's the line. And we shall reign on the earth. You have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. So, yeah. So, in other words, it doesn't say, and we are now going to be allowed in heaven, or we now can be raptured, or it's just, you know, you that's see, a totally different thing right there. You see, Steve, how clear it is right yeah. in front of us? Yeah. He's redeemed us. Yes, he's given us so that we have access to eternal life with the king. But that's only part of the assignment. Yeah. The rest of the assignment. The reason they're singing a new song is because we can now reign on the earth. What did the seven seals represent? They couldn't reign on the earth. We couldn't reign on the earth. Somebody had to pay the legal price with his blood, pure spotless blood for 30 years to have overcome sin. He fully fulfilled the true law and he fulfilled even the intention behind the law and he was perfect. And so he paid the price. And so only he could bring in the new covenant based on a better way. Mm -hmm. And you have made us, and here's this. So what's a king? You've made us kings and priests, two levels of authority that have been given to us. And both of these levels are levels that most of the church has not stepped into yet. We've just clapped our hands and celebrated. I'm going to heaven. Are you? That's the first part. But kingship, what is kingship? The kingship is about ruling and reigning as scripture says, as he is, so are we in this world. It's what Jesus said. You are the salt. You are the light of the world. We have to carry who he is into every area of society. So one of our assignments is to manifest his kingship, to rule and reign over darkness, to cast it out everywhere. But then the priest is the complementary, the secondary, uh, and I won't say secondary in importance because he's already established in uh, through Paul's writings, that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. And the ministry of reconciliation is what a priest carry. What does a priest do? The priest would provide the sacrifice. That was the Old Testament yeah. uh, model for it. What Passover showed for us, a priest would have the sacrifices, and it was the blood that would be applied. That's what the whole principle of Passover was. You apply the blood on your household, and so the application for how we do that now is we just say, Lord, please forgive them. So the authority that we carry practical way every for every city and nation, there is no nation on planet Earth that you can pull out of the Bible and say it has to be damned to hell. There is none. Only reason it would be damned to hell is if the sons and daughters of the king don't arise with kingship or priesthoodship. A priest can say, Father, my my nation or my city, or my region, or my family, whatever, has sinned. And I stand in the gap and I say, please forgive them. I say, please forgive them. That's what a minister of reconciliation is. And so he applies the equivalent of the Passover blood so that judgment does not come on that city or that nation or that area of society. So no nation ultimately is going to go to hell because it was written in the Bible that it has to go to hell or be damned to hell or has to experience damnation, judgments, it will only be if the sons and daughters of the king only celebrate the fact that they are redeemed to God and never participate with their assignment of being kings and priests. This is the unfinished business we have, and we shall reign on the earth. Now, even in my New King James Bible, the verses that it has connected to that are out of Daniel, the scriptures we've been reading in past weeks. 
Daniel chapter 2, which so, showed the stone that came in and destroyed the Antichrist image made up of these four empires. It destroyed it, and it said this stone, which was the kingdom, it filled the whole earth like a mountain until the whole earth was filled. The whole earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the water. Can I ask you a quick question? I, I know that in the teaching that I was given all throughout my younger years, they, doctrinally speaking, they would say this stone was Jesus himself. You're saying this stone isn't representative of Jesus himself. This is the kingdom expanding on the earth. Is, is that right? I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm the one that had, was the only one that was taught that way, but do what were the majority of people taught that stone was? Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Head to ElijahStreams.com slash give. Now, back to the show. Well, here's the deal. I don't know what majority of people were taught, but here's what's obvious. And this is going back several weeks to a teaching we had that the king and his kingdom come together. When John said, repent, the kingdom was here. Who was here? The king. When Jesus said, repent, the kingdom is here. Who was here? The king. When he said, seek forth first the kingdom of God. Who was he? Was he saying seek first the kingdom and then the king's next uh, secondary? No, they come together like the candy cane, the candy cane, red and white. You cannot receive the king without receiving his kingdom. Uh, You you cannot just have this transactional experience. Say, I receive you, Jesus, my heart. You can, but you've just cut yourself off from uh, your assignment and from an understanding of what the real picture is about. So when it says Jesus comes, it's his kingdom comes. And so it's never supposed to be understood as some transactional relationship only with this person, uh, God, because he comes, his his interest as even revealed. This revelation of Jesus Christ shows that Jesus Christ's passion was to see his kingdom revealed. God's ways, the seven spirits of God are working together to restore the kingdom of God on earth through these areas of society where it's, where it's lost. Mm. So we're coming to this, and we shall reign on the earth. Mm. Now, has that happened? Not yet. But it's prophesied all over what Isaiah saw. Unto us a son is given. Unto us a child is born. The government will be upon his shoulders. The increase of his government, there will be no end. This is part of this corrective narrative the Lord has me sharing over and over. We're not headed towards a rule and reign of the enemy on planet earth. We are headed towards a rule and reign of God and his kingdom through his sons and daughters. Not independent. This is through his sons and daughters. All heaven gets to participate. There's a reason it was the angels around the throne and the 24 elders. They said, we shall reign on the earth. They all get to participate in this. It's oh, wow. the, the elders are saying that too? The elders are saying that too. Hey, Johnny, always- is, that, is that inferring that there's more reigning to go uh, in the new heaven, the new earth? Is there an inference there or is that just not that? Well, that, I, I don't know about okay. going into, into that inference. Okay, and, all right. Uh, um, I'll just say that they were celebrating because they understand we're all one. We're all working on this thing together. Yeah. And they, they understood that heaven's intent of reigning on earth. Heaven was restricted from ruling and reigning on earth. Satan knew that. He showed Jesus the kingdoms of this world and their glory. Again, Matthew 4, Luke 4, you can read both of those, uh, the temptation of Christ. And all these have been given to me. When were they given? When Adam and Eve sinned. And fell. That's why they had to be cast out from the garden. Can but you, on, that, on that point, before you leave it, the elders, I did not realize this, they're saying we shall reign on the earth. 
okay, we, I just deflected you in, a, in something that you weren't saying, but, but are you saying, are the elders saying then that before the story is over, at least from heaven, at least, they will help be reigning on earth? Are you, are you seeing that or saying that? Absolutely. They're a part of it all. Wow. There are, there's wow. people can't even be talked about because they will be chastised and thrown out as heretics, whatever. But people who see the four living creatures and the cherubim participate in what we're doing here on earth, uh, they get anywhere, like I said, from ridiculed, mocked to called heretics to kind of have to keep it to themselves. But mm. they're a part of the kingdom assignment on earth and they regain an aspect of an assignment they thought lost for forever. Because can you imagine the length of time, whatever it was, we just know in human years, it was thousands of years. It was ever since the garden that there was this strong angel with a loud voice. Who is going to change the fact when it's saying who is worthy to take the scroll? It's saying who is worthy to give back the authority we lost. Wow. And Satan knew that. That's why when he's back to the Matthew 4 and Luke 4, when he says, he shows Jesus. It was it was a big temptation. He takes him to the top of the mountain, he says, yeah. and he shows him the kingdoms of this world and their glory. And he says, these have been given to me. He's like, uh, I listen in on the throne and I hear, I know that there is an angel with a loud voice to keep saying, who's going to get this back? I'll give it to you. But you bow down to me. Jesus had another way. He was the lamb. He was the lion. But he came as the lamb because it was in laying down his life, he regained all lost authority. And he regained lost authority, not for us just to celebrate that we get to go to heaven, but that we get to be a part of manifesting and revealing this king of greatness and goodness to all, all the earth. So here's, here's a knockout punch right here as well, as, uh, Steve. So this is verse 11 now, Revelation chapter 5. And this is coming to the part, this is the part that had me shaking three hours in my bed when I saw it. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 of thousands of thousands. First of all, it just means zillions. You know, John, like I, I really don't have a number for it. I, I think it's Google Plex billion, trillion, quadrillion, zillion. It's like... Just the elders, I mean, just the angels around the throne. There was now a cry. You heard the cry from, you can imagine, you take yourself there, people around the throne. They're like, what's going on? Why, why, are, the, why are the four creatures and the 24 elders going crazy? What's going on? What's this explosion? Why did they start singing a new song? I like the old song. What's going <laughs> on? And then the angels come around and, there's, and everything happens in a loud voice. The voice of many angels, zillions of angels around the throne. And what do they, verse 12, saying with a loud voice. Again, if you like quietness, ask to not be taken. Yeah, I want to go to that throne room. I want to see that. I want to experience ah, that, man. The throne is lightnings and thunder man. and voices and colors, rainbow. It, it's it's like designed, your, your emotions were designed to be impacted to the 100% fullness with your throne room experience. That's what they were ultimately made for. We will wonder, you know, we have our five senses and, and then your spiritual senses, and you'll find out when you're around the throne, wow, this is, this is actually what I was created for 
to experience level 100 with all of them. So they're now there. So these zillion angels are now on it and they sing. This is their song. This is what they're saying with a loud voice together. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Again, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Anytime you use revelation to be a revelation of the Antichrist, you miss the whole purpose of this book. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Now, notice how many attributes of heaven are there. One power, two riches, three wisdom, four strength, five honor, six glory, seven blessing. Wow. Well, the revelation that then caused me to shake in bed for three hours was when the Lord showed me how each one of these attributes is connected to one of the seven mountains. So worthy is the lamb to receive power and government. Worthy is the lamb to receive the riches. This one's pretty obvious. Mountain of economy, wisdom, the mountain of education, strength, the mountain of family. Because if you actually go to that word strength in the original Greek, Ishkuros, it speaks of the strength of blood, of family connection and blood. Honor has to do mm. with the mountain of religion. That's he's our redeemer. So we should bow before him and serve him because mm. he gave his life. It's the honorable thing to do. And then glory, that word glory is about the expression. Uh, uh, there's a, a Greek word, time. And so it has to do with the mountain of arts and entertainment. If you have a call the mountain of arts and entertainment, you're ultimately cause, uh, called to express the glory of God through that mountain. And blessing, the mountain of media. You go blessing on the mountain of media. Well, the word blessing is a Greek word, eulogia. I'm not pronouncing it right, but that way you understand like eulogy, eulogia. Blessing. What is a eulogy? Eulogy is what is spoken. The kindest words ever spoken over human being. He's no longer going to be around. And even if he was a rascal, uh, you know, somebody is going to stand up at the end of his you know, funeral when they're giving eulogy. They're going to say, you know, he told good jokes. Uh, he was there's something good that you can tell about yeah. it. It gives insight even to the mountain of media. How Paul would say in Philippians chapter four, if there be anything good, if there be anything noble, if there be anything of good report, uh, you know, he gave all these uh, qualifications, like think on those things. We say report on it. So there was an, a whole insight. But I, I was like, you mean you you hid the whole seven mountain thing in Revelation, Revelation chapter five and verse 12. Worthy is the lamb to receive. And that is the glory of each one of the mountains that power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing get Hmm. released. But notice the key here. It doesn't just say worthy is the lamb to give us power and riches and wisdom, because that's what we're contending for. We're saying, Lord, help us rule and reign. But worthy is the lamb to receive. So here's the way it works. If you remember the 24 elders who are kings, because they each have crowns, um, so the, the kings have crowns and, and they're casting their crowns consistently and constantly before him. When he is called the king of kings, we are the kings. He is the king of kings. And often we say we lay our crowns before you, but we haven't gained the crowns yet. 
Yeah, John, can I, I, I'm, a, I, I'm afraid to ask this question because you're going to say, Steve, you might say, Steve, I've been telling you the whole time. But um, when they cry out that who's worthy and finally Jesus is worthy and he comes to, and takes open the scroll, and but you're talking about the seven mountains and us reigning. When is the, is the scroll taken from the Father or has it been received from the Father and we are now rolling out this whole thing? What, um, maybe you've just well, said I'm glad it. you asked for clarity. But okay. the point was that happened at the cross. So when okay. he says, I saw a lamb okay. that was slain and it was the lamb that was slain that took the scroll in his time travel. It's good okay. to it up. Somebody could be asking the same question. In time travel, he was taken to Calvary. He had been past and present. He okay. saw all the way from the garden when the authority was lost. And then he went all the way in the future and he saw no human person that could satisfy the worthy component of it. Yeah. And so, but it, it tells you that when this, when the scroll being taken from the hand of the father took place was at Calvary. That's when Jesus came and said, I have just paid the price. Good. And so that's when that happened. And so the rest of this is is to follow it. That's why I say it's it's the meta macro from the high level. This is the storyline we are a part of. You'll notice from heaven's perspective and heaven's view, we're going to get to this just a little bit more right here. There is no mention of the devil. The problem is not the devil. Well, that's true. There isn't, is there? There's no there's no antichrist spirit. There's no false prophet. There's no beast. There's no problem from the enemy. It's just, uh, it, it can be inferred and implied that the enemy did something. It's known that we lost authority because that's the whole thing. The question yeah, he got is, slain. We know the enemy, the enemy probably had, you know, had that part. But after the slain part happened, all bets are off. There's nothing interfering anymore. Is well, there? it's even different than that, Steve, because it, it looked like the enemy pulled that off. Yeah. But he actually became, if you can say, if you can understand this, Satan is the one that became the instrument of redemption. Yeah, the unwilling yes. accomplice to, to the Lord's. Yeah, because the I'll totally. blood had to be shed of an innocent yeah. lamb. Yeah. And the only way the blood of an innocent lamb could be shed is if you have a sinister individual like Satan think, yeah. thinking he's empowering himself when he is actually just disempowered his whole agenda That's prior, really good. prior to then. But worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory. This is our meta narrative. This is what it's all about. And so I should have pointed out earlier, if we if we noted, I, I, I talked about there was the 24 elders. There's 24 crowns. There are 24 wings because there's four living creatures, each with six wings. Wow. So we have the two numbers that I've said over and over and over are 24 and seven. Mm -hmm. There are seven uh, um, uh, spirits of God, seven horns. So 24 seven. What do we think of when we think of 24 seven? When something's happening, oh, 24, isn't that interesting? 24 seven, 24 hours a day. It's like, in other this, words, it's this never not is, that. Once yeah. it's 24 seven, it's never not 24 seven because that, yeah, but, but it means it's all conscripted for earth, for the plan yeah. here on earth. You know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, even, even the, the, the time differentiations or, classifications that we have point to this 24-7. He rules 24-7, and he has a 24-7 plan for all this stuff uh, on earth. So 
in order to close uh, close this out, oh, so the whole idea, I didn't finish this part. There's so much, but I'm getting there. We're, we're doing good here. Doing so good. worthy is the lamb to receive power and riches. So what happens? We fulfill our role. There has been this year, the whole thing of the gavel that took place that Bobby Connor saw as well at the beginning right. of the year. There, it's it's either it, it either happened or it's a reminder to us of something that's recently happened. We have just entered the third day, Hosea 6-2, on the third day. Because this part, the, the, the separation of verses that talk about, and you have redeemed us, that's one part. But then you have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. The we shall reign on the earth is what begins to happen in the third day. And on the third day, he will raise us up and we will live before before him. That ruling, it's a ruling on behalf of the saints. It's not a ruling for Jesus to return. It's a ruling on behalf of the saints for them to rule and reign on the earth. And again, ruling and reigning on the earth. This is not a transaction. This is something that takes time. It's multi-generational. Okay. Heaven, this is heaven's storyline. This is heaven's script. And we have just entered into the third day. After two days, the two days were after Jesus, 2,000 years after Jesus died on the cross, paid the price. On the third day, he raises us up. The third day revelation is that we have just entered this time period. We're called to reign on the earth. And so he is crushing the enemies that have ruled and reigned as mafia in the top of the seven mountains. And it's not for our own sakes. It's so that we can manifest the kingdom of God in every area of society. We can manifest kingdom power in the mountain of government. Okay. We can manifest kingdom glory in the mountain of arts entertainment, kingdom blessing on the mountain of media, kingdom wisdom on the mountain of education, hmm. kingdom riches on the mountain of economy, kingdom honor on the mountain of religion, kingdom strength, the mountain of family. And so as we do that effectively and fulfill our call, fulfill our role and call as saints, then what are given to us are crowns. We now have crowns that we can give to him because it says worthy is the lamb to receive. So the lamb is worthy not just to assist us in overcoming the enemy. The lamb is not just worthy to assist us in having eternal security and salvation. The lamb is worthy because he empowers us through the Holy Spirit and through his work with everything else he releases on our behalf to see us fulfill our assignment. And so we have the privilege then of doing what the 24 elders already do. We say these crowns are yours because you paid the price. You did it, did it all. You released the Holy Spirit. This is heaven's script. That's so good. And this is what we're living for. And then the final proof of that, uh, Steve, and this will be my last scripture, is you go to Revelation chapter 11. <clears throat> because what then happens, <clears throat> and I have to briefly explain because there's people who will say, well, what about the seals? The seven seals are all bad. That's what starts in chapter six. And so I'll even say the same thing. Why would heaven be rejoicing if doom and devastation and death, because you talk about all there's the white horse and there's the pale horse and the black horse and it's death, death, yeah. death. Why would heaven be rejoicing 
if death gets released. Well, it's got to be, it's no longer the good guys that are under attack. It's the bad guys that are under attack, right? The evildoers on the earth. Well, I'll just say in brief, I have a whole unpublished book on this I've had for about 10 years. Because <clears throat> um, the Lord said the body of Christ wasn't ready for it yet. And, and, and so in this, so what you understand is, remember I was saying the difference between the seal and the scroll. The scroll tells the good things. We have not yeah. read anything from the scroll. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. The seals tell the bad thing. That's what needed to be we set free from. Who will loose the seals? If you start reading in chapter 6 and verse 1, then I saw the lamb opened one of the seals. So everything you read on the seals is not the scroll. It's the seals. What does that mean? And the seals are intimately related to the scrolls because they were binding the scrolls. Well, let me let me explain okay. this. Steve, okay. This this will make it clear. Okay. The seals are the realities on each of the seven mountains up till that point. Okay. And so when it talks about, and I saw one third death, people go, when are we going to have one third of the planet killed? That particular. Uh, seal that opened and it showed one third dying is the seal that corresponds with the mountain of family. And it tells us this is what the enemy has been doing through abortions, through everything else it's doing. The enemy has been doing it. So the, the lamb paid the price to stop the seals from continuing their work. That makes sense, Steve? Oh, well, yeah, I never, I don't bet no one else has done that either. I've never heard it taught like that. So because I always thought well, this thing and this whole thing ends with death and destruction throughout the earth. No, this is what a mighty no. horrible end this is. That's what, that's no, what we've so all been taught. It's why heaven rejoices is because all this death now gets interrupted. But if the sons and daughters of the king will arise and shine. With Gee, the what a different teaching, my goodness. It's game changer. And so to say, to repeat that thing, the seals... Are, and then the death that it, that you read about are what has been happening up to this point. That's what you're saying. But God it, and the what, saints. It's, it goes into the killing, stealing, and destroying that the enemy has been doing on every one of the seven mountains. Okay. And I could go into uh, um, we, mountain of religion. How has he been killing? Well, he's created. He's had most of the wars of the of the world have been religious wars. Yeah. So he's killing through the mountain of religion, education through uh, um, there's so many of the revolutions have been started from an educational standpoint. And then the, the whole humanism effect, but what I don't have time to go through it, but if, if I gave my entire yeah. uh, um, time attention yeah. to those seven seals, I would show you how on every mountain death has been being released it is a depopulation agenda through all. We, we're seeing it better than ever. What's I don't have as hard a time of explaining this anymore because we're seeing how mountain of family, which is also the mountain of medical intervention. Yeah. We see how through the vaccines and lying about what's good for you and not good for you and how they have suppressed actual things that heal you. We see how the enemy, the enemy has been running rampant, killing, stealing, destroying. He's still doing it now, but he lost authority to do so. The only reason he does it on any of the mountains is because the sons and daughters have only celebrated. He has redeemed us and we have not fulfilled 
you are kings, you are priests. If we enter into kings and priests, it all changes. I mean, right, I got to ask this question, you know, because, you know, God loves to be praised. We were, we were, we were created to worship and praise him. And as I'm struck with today with the sense of, you know, we thank God that he saved us, he redeemed us. But is there is there something in the heart of God that goes, yes, yes, I received that praise, but there's more. Don't you want the rest of it? And I think the body's going, no, we're just so glad to be saved. You know, he even told the disciples, just rejoice since your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But then he set them back to work anyway. So I don't know. Yeah, what are your thoughts? Pretend like you're homeschooled by the same, or however, you're, you're taught by the same teacher, first through 12th grade. Yeah. And you're now in 12th grade. Yeah. Whatever. And she's teaching you. And you keep stopping and saying, I just want to thank you for teaching me <laughs> my ABCs. Oh, I, I see. Thank you for teaching me the ABC. I, I want to thank you for teaching me one plus one is two. It's like it really happened and it was good, but the teacher's got to be pulling his hair out. That's that's what you remember as that's all. I'm, I'm thankful that you're thankful, but yes, he has done so much more. And you have made us the reason heaven explodes, and we shall reign on the wow. earth. It wasn't, and we shall have more souls. And the deal is, as a secondary benefit, more souls than ever will come into the kingdom. Yeah. Because when he is lifted up, all men are drawn to him. So the, the you know, the, the the flip side of all this is there will be more salvations than ever. I mean, that is such an amazing analogy you just gave. I'll never think of that the same way. You know, thank you so much for help, potty training me in first grade. I, you know, I'll never have that accident again. Wait, you're ready for college? Stop that. <laughs> So anyway, let me give ahead. the last closing verse okay. here. We'll have, uh, um, uh, you know, this yeah. will have been a major or a minor miracle just to uh, wrap it up like this. But it's such a beautiful, beautiful story. Yeah. So we go to Revelation chapter 11 and 15. And why? Because this is the same story. It has not stopped. If you'll read it uh, uh, in the chapters. And we're now, it'll start out verse 15. Then the seventh angel sounded because there was seven angels or seven trumpets. And so then the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven. Again, never soft voices in heaven. They're always loud. Saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, we give you thanks, O Lord, God Almighty, the one who is and who was and is to come, because you have taken your great power and you have reigned. The nations were angry and your wrath has come and the time of the dead that they should be judged and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. Who is he destroying? It's not random wrath in all directions. He destroys those who destroy the earth. Guess who the destroyers of the earth are? The globalists. Yeah. The ones that pretend and fake that they're preserving your planet. They are killing and they have a depopulation plan to kill 80% of planet earth. They want to kill the earth. They want to release. They have been trying to, even in these days, they're trying to unleash a nuclear devastation of the world. 
They have places to go hide in underground. They are trying to destroy the earth. They are the destroyers. So he comes with his great kingdom and he fulfills what he says and he destroys those who destroy the earth. And the prophets get vindicated. If you missed that one, you should reward your servants, the prophets. How do prophets get rewarded? What they said under inspiration from God is fulfilled. That is the reward. And the saints, prophets and saints get rewarded. Why do the saints get rewarded? Because they became kings and priests to our God. They didn't just celebrate, I'm going to heaven, but they actually embraced the assignment of bringing the practical light to every area of darkness and casting out the enemy, understanding this is how we get the crown that we can throw at his feet. And we say, this is yours. We cast him at his feet, knowing that he paid the price that no one else could pay, that he was the reason the Holy Spirit was sent to empower us. But the kingdoms, here's what's key as we close. This is still John on that trip out of Revelation that we started, Revelation 4, and it says, and I was taken into heaven. There's a loud voice, come up, John. This is still that same experience. And he said, I saw the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God. John already went there. He already saw it. He's been to the future. He did time travel. He went past and he was sad. He got to the cross. He got more excited. He went to the future, the end game. This is our movie. This is what we must align with. This is the storyline that empowers us. This is the narrative the enemy throws the kitchen sink against. He mm. goes to seminary. He goes into uh, denominations. He goes into the elite thinking circles of Christianity to counter this, to call somebody like myself some kind of false heretic because I'm telling you what is pointedly, clearly laid out as the narrative we are to agree with and align with to see the victorious king be given the reward that he is worthy of because of the suffering that he allowed himself to go through while here on planet, world, planet Earth. The kingdoms of this world have become, it's already a reality. It's not, if my people were called by my name, I'll do this. This is already guaranteed, how? By the blood of the lamb. We have to understand the difference in storyline. The blood of the lamb already paid the price and those in heaven have already seen that that is a reality. Now, how it plays out, it's still the mystery before them that they're gonna celebrate and ooh and ah and cast their crowns. Oh, I can't believe you used that person. I can't believe you did that way. I can't believe you used Haman's noose to hang Haman again. The whole way it works out is still mystery, but they've seen the big picture. Heaven anticipates the big picture, the excitement of this big picture. And this is what we get to connect with today. I, I want to ask you one other closing question about that. So if we could put it in these kind of terms, God wants our narrative to be different. You talked about the narrative. The narrative I grew up with that most people live with is, I can't wait. I'm so grateful to be saved. I can't wait to go to heaven. I long for heaven. I'm homesick for heaven. There's songs old hymns, I'm homesick for heaven, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. I, I'm seeing, and I mean, you're clearly teaching a whole brand new narrative, as you just gave all the scriptures for. So the Lord wants the narrative of those of us who are alive and remain, maybe you said, I don't know, uh, to 
our narrative is to, supposed to be, I can't wait to see what God's going to do with me on this earth next. I mean, that's what I'm hearing. What, what would, how would you respond to that? That's a good way of saying it. To, to attach it to, the, we talked about the parable of the talents, the one that's given five, the one that's given two, and the one that's given one. There's the one that hit it. It's like, well, let me just protect it. You know, let me just protect my eternal security. Yeah, yeah. Because it takes, why? Because it takes courage. It takes be strong, be courageous. It takes strength and courage to not just do that. And so that's why when Jesus were in the parable, he came, comes back and it says, you lazy and worthless yeah. servant. <laughs> he was going to go to heaven, we'll say. You know, you can live off your transaction, but what an embarrassment, what a waste of wealth. The wealth of his image in you has yeah. been wasted because you decided to bury that talent. Wow, that's that's just so huge. Wow, Johnny. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> hey, Johnny, thank you. I'm going to have you pray in a minute. But before you pray, maybe just tell tell people um, about anything you want to about Restore 7, uh, what, anything you want people to be aware of. Oh, my goodness. We have such amazing interviews. Restore7.org. Um, we have um, – Someone you should know, oh my goodness, I was supposed to get his name, and I've been so heavenly minded here, I've lost sight of this yeah. person. Interview that Elizabeth did, it's someone who's had to confront even the lies surrounding the the, the whole gender, uh, the gender oh. battle that's been laid out there. And again, if you, just to tell you a macro perspective, um, if you understand what we'll say the globalist, the deep state is about, is depopulating, yeah. end of the game, they do not have compassion on someone who's confused about uh, who they are, someone who's born with some parts, female, male, or any, there, there's none of that. It is part and parcel of a depopulation agenda. They want, they want to advance abortions because it kills. They want to advance people who are confused. They want to, anything that's anti-family is what they want to advance because family advances people and advances um, there being um, more and more servants, uh, sons and daughters of the king to participate in, the, in their assignment. And that's why from the globalist standpoint, their whole vision is to reduce the population to 2 billion. There's a video, I might play it next time, just two minutes, that tells you someone from the World Economic Summit laying out, the world can only sustain 1 billion people. So one Sounds way or the other, to get there. we don't want to do it through war. We want to do this peacefully. And it's funny because the way they, they talk made you not understand the sinister nature of what they're saying. They want to take you from 8 billion to 1 billion in a peaceful way. And then the earth can sustain us. Well, the earth has been sustaining 8 billion. The Lord showed me years ago that the United States could easily sustain 30 billion people. by Really? Wow. So there, we, we we can do hundreds of billions on the planet. That's not the problem. It's, a, it's again, a distortion of narrative. It's a lie. There is no, they, they just, it's funny, just a few days ago, they just, there was a discovery, and I, I'm waiting for it to make regular news. They found more water than uh, under, they found more water underground than there is water above ground. Um, really? So we don't lack water. We don't lack fuel, the right fuel. Uh, a lot of fuels they say are, you know, fossil fuels. They are renewable, but they're better at energy forms anyway. It's all lies, 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 lies. And when they say we need to bring the earth down to 1 billion, do you understand they're saying we have to kill yeah. and murder 80% of 
the world's population in order to properly care. That's part of the green. So I mean, everybody thinks green uh, is that, but the people at the top are demonically inspired, demonically possessed, and in some cases, actually uh, in demonic alliance, they knowingly do so. But here's the storyline. This is for them. Anybody who's listening, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God. So we fight from victory. That's a, that's that's the empowering thing about this, Steve. Yeah. We just, we're not just contending for victory. We contend from victory. The narrative, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the value of the Bible, the value of the book of Revelation, it reveals to us Jesus Christ what he did and what it overcomes and therefore we align participate with it and we accelerate what is capable of taking place as we agree with it you know that um so like 25 years ago maybe not quite maybe 23 years ago uh there was a mathematical and engineer in this local area in albany oregon where he worked for the computer company and i said you know i've been calculating it's taking me a couple of weeks i've been working on this i got my calculator and there's this, if you take a little part of one little tiny state like Maine or whatever it is, I said 30 miles by 30 miles, you could put the entire population of the earth in 30 miles by 30 miles and no one would be touching. No one would be touching. They'd be close, but they wouldn't be touching. It's like two feet by two feet. And he goes, you took two weeks on that? Give me a second. He goes, uh, yeah. It was like less than three seconds he had that, you know, uh, calculated. It is so ridiculously so much more earth than the people. Uh, there are people that congregate in these tight little cities that it makes it seem like um, it's overpopulated. But I, I, that's really fascinating to hear you say we could, this could, the U.S. could support how many, how many billions? 30, 30 I, billion. I have it in my book from eight years ago, uh, the Seven Mountain Mantle, I believe, that I put in there that it could easily sustain 30 billion. And I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't even clear that if the Lord was saying, if the enemy had not been allowed to steal, kill, and destroy, you would already have 30 billion, and that would be really. Um, yeah. But I and know it's at least that. That's my. I, and it was either that same guy or a different guy, because I had looked around when, when you could start Googling things, and, he, and someone else had said, if you laid them like sardines, in other words, touching, which you don't do with the population there, if you laid them side by side on each other like sardines in a can, you put it in a two mile by two mile box that's the population of the earth a two mile by two miles packed like sardines you dump it over the edge of grand canyon and and they're gone that's how much um that's how much un- deep that's how much overpopulated we're not right you know so yeah. there's clearly crazy. some centers where those centers are overpopulated yeah because the way they no built argument. yeah there's, yeah there's some centers of cities but if you drive if you drive across the united states of america alone all you do is see open, vast, open yeah. miles and miles and miles of terror. And that's, I haven't even been to Montana, or maybe I've been to the edge of the border. Montana can do a few billion all by itself, you know? And so. It's totally crazy. You get into, yeah, it's like people just don't understand the flyovers. You, know, you go to the panhandles of like Texas and the panhandles of Florida, you go, where's, where's all the people? You're right. So, well, anyway, Johnny, I guess that's our time. I got to do a recording yeah. at two, so I better get going. But Johnny, would you go ahead and pray for the people as we? Yeah. As we...
Lord, I just thank you for what you're reminding us of today. And I thank you, Lord, how you're touching many who are listening even right now. And I thank you. This is a time for increased revelation for your sons and daughters. And that even those who are listening right now, Lord, this is a season through what's been ignited in them, even through listening to this program, will now allow them to begin to receive dreams and visions from you at a whole nother level. So I just thank you, Lord, for releasing right now visions, dreams, encounters with you at a whole nother level where their own psyche, their mind, their spirit now allows them to see another dimension of who you are and what you are planning to do here on planet Earth. Thank you for that, Lord. Bless you. In Jesus' name we pray all this. Amen. 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 All right. God bless you. Uh, we'll, uh, this afternoon we'll be recording uh, with Yvonne Atia. She's got some great revelation. I'm going to ask her about the um, the trances. God, she, she goes into prayer and almost every day God takes her in a trance and she leaves this, the reality of earth. I mean, she's there, but she leaves the realities and God gives her more and more revelation. But her, her what she's going to be speaking on is that we have never seen anything like this happen before. And I don't know she, how she's got to go. No. It's going to be right in agreement, I know, with John. Awesome. So very, very good. And uh, she's pretty amazing because people, I'm just going to say it right here on this one. She's kind of let it go. But I've, I've said early on, if people knew, because she's from Egypt and she then they were raised in, camp, in uh, Australia. Now she's getting her papers over here. So it's not quite dense. So we've been very, very, very careful about what she says. But since it's on this program and not hers, like she has always been an absolute Trump lover, but she just had to keep him, you know, so so that she didn't mess up her paper. So we're coming to the end of that where she can say it, but she's you, you almost say, I'd say you have to forgive her, but no, we, we, she needed those papers. So, yeah. but she she's totally on board with everything. You would have to kind of know that or I wouldn't even have her on. So. All right. God bless you, everybody. So that is, so her, uh, Yvonne, recorded today. We go see her in the morning. So have a great day, everybody. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. This has been Elijah Streams. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can listen to the Elijah Streams podcast at ElijahStreams.com on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Join us live every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific time at ElijahStreams.com on Rumble and Facebook. Elijah Streams is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahStreams.com slash give to become a partner today.